all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Chief of Development and Behavioral Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today, we'll be talking about apologies. Saying you're sorry can be difficult. Have you ever received an insincere apology or given one yourself? Do you think that apologies have to be an admission of wrongdoing? Let's talk about what's going on in your life. I want you to share your comments and experiences with us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking from MPB Think Radio. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. The FBI is recommending that no charges be brought against Hillary Clinton for her use of a private email server while she was Secretary of State. NPR's Tamara Keith reports this lifts a shadow cast over the campaign of the presumptive Democratic presidential nominee. The Justice Department will make the final decision about whether to file charges, but FBI Director James Comey says he's recommending against it because there isn't evidence of intentional misconduct or obstruction. Although we did not find clear evidence that Secretary Clinton or her colleagues intended to violate laws governing the handling of classified information, there is evidence that they were extremely careless Comey says there was classified information on Clinton's email server that should never have been on a private system, and investigators couldn't rule out the possibility that foreign agents gained access to the system. He also says investigators found thousands of additional emails Clinton and her team didn't turn over to the State Department, but he said they may have been deleted in a routine way. Tamara Keith, NPR News. Hillary Clinton campaigns in the battleground state of North Carolina this afternoon with her former political rival beside her. She and President Obama are to make their first campaign appearance today in Charlotte. Obama's legacy depends in part on Clinton winning the White House this November. The GOP's presumptive nominee, Donald Trump, is scheduled to campaign in North Carolina hours later. The president of Venezuela says he is willing to restore diplomatic ties with the United States. NPR's Lulu Garcia-Navarro reports why the offer is being made now. There is increasing international attention being paid to Venezuela right now because the situation in the country is so dire. Uh, children are going hungry. They're rooting through the garbage for food. The hospitals are in chaos with a lack of medicine. And the president, Nicolas Maduro, is extremely unpopular and the opposition is trying to push him out through a recall referendum. And so he needs international legitimacy to bolster his government. Lulu Garcia-Navarro reporting. The British pound hit a new 31-year low against the dollar as investors continue to worry about the impact of the United Kingdom's vote to leave the European Union. NPR's Frank Langford has the latest from Glasgow. The pound fell to about $1.31, the lowest level since 
September 1985. Sterling is now about 12 percent lower than it was just before the country's momentous Brexit referendum a dozen days ago. Bank of England Governor Mark Carney said the economic pressure from the vote is being felt in other sectors, such as real estate, which was already struggling. Foreign flows of capital into commercial real estate fell 50 percent in the first quarter of 2016. Transaction volumes have fallen further during the second quarter, and share prices of property REITs dropped sharply following the referendum. A new poll found the number of businesses pessimistic about the U.K. economy had doubled since the vote. Frank Langford, NPR News, Glasgow. This is NPR News. New religious freedom laws are taking effect in several states this month, but a federal judge has blocked a measure in one southern state. NPR's Debbie Elliott reports critics say these laws allow discrimination against the LGBT community. Mississippi and Florida passed religious freedom laws in response to the U.S. Supreme Court's ruling last year that legalized same-sex marriage. But a federal judge says Mississippi's law goes too far. It provides legal protection to public officials and businesses that refuse to serve LGBT customers because of religious objections. Florida's law says religious organizations and faith leaders don't have to participate in any marriage ceremony that violates their religious beliefs. And in Kansas, a new law allows religious student groups on college campuses to restrict membership to people who share certain beliefs. Debbie Elliott, NPR News. Hostess, the maker of Twinkies, is going public again nearly four years after seeking bankruptcy protection. Hostess Brands owners say they're selling the company for $375 million in cash to Gore's Holdings, an acquisition company run by the private equity firm, the Gore's Group. Recapping our top story, the FBI will not recommend charges against Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton for using a private email server to handle certain classified information. It says the act was careless and appears to have breached rules but does not rise to the level of a criminal act. Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump tweets in apparent disbelief, no charges. Wow. The Dow is down 117. This is NPR. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Fifth Generation Incorporated, maker of Tito's Handmade Vodka, still independently owned by Tito Beverage, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas, American-made and gluten-free. Recipes and more at titosvodka.com. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm Terry Gross. Listen to Fresh Air weekdays at 3 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to family at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Good morning. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Chief of Development and Behavioral Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, here on Relatively Speaking. Today we're talking about apologies. Saying sorry really can be difficult. Have you ever received one of those insincere apologies or, or even have you given one yourself? 
Do you think that if you apologize, it always means that you've admitted that you're wrong? So I want to hear what you think and what's going on in your life. You can share your comments and experiences with us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven. 672-7464, you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. So I'm dating myself terribly, but some of you old-timers may remember the movie Love Story. It's, uh, or maybe you young people have watched it. It's a romantic tragedy, um, really tearjerker from 1970. And um, Allie McGraw, I uh, don't remember a character name, as she was dying, looked at Ryan O'Neill, who was her partner, and said, love means never having to say you're sorry. I always wondered about that line. Um, but another story came out a couple of years later uh, in 1972 called What's Up, Doc? Uh, Barbara Streisand's character said the exact same line, love means never having to say you're sorry. And Ryan O'Neill, who was in this show also, said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I actually tend to agree. I think it, it's a ridiculous statement every now and then. We do need to say we're sorry, and we can talk about that as we go along in the show. I want to hear from you and your thoughts about um, what apologies mean. Are they good? Are they they bad? Um, Is there a time when you really should not apologize? Uh, So, you know, almost the only thing worse than getting than getting hurt by somebody that you really trust is when you get some sort of lame apology, like you feel like they really don't mean it. Like, I'm sorry you're mad or I'm sorry what I said hurt your feelings. Now, if that's where you stop it, that is clearly not an apology. And we'll talk about why it's not. Um, You also, though, know that being a human who's screwed something up, done something wrong, sometimes it's hard to master a sincere apology, Um, particularly if you feel like someone is perhaps having an unfair response to what you did. So before we talk about how to do an apology correctly, I want to talk about why it is intrinsically so hard and so difficult to say something like, I'm sorry. Sounds simple, but it's not as simple as it seems because we're humans and we're highly motivated to maintain a positive image of ourselves. We, we want to look good, right? So we, we want to project that we have integrity, morality, and, and that certainly we are in control and in charge. So this is why sometimes apologizing can be so difficult. And I'm going to talk about a few studies in a minute as we're moving along. But I just want to remind you that having to admit that our words or actions hurt someone else threatens our self-image or our ideal image, what we think we're supposed to be, who we are supposed to be. So it makes sense that um, 
when we humans maybe don't do as good of a job as we think we should have, we have a really difficult time and have a uh, a very um, sometimes inability to apologize properly. We get defensive. We justify our behavior. We do whatever we can to project, protect our egos. So I have a question. Do you think that the reason that we have so much trouble apologizing is because it might hurt us or take power away from us? Has that ever occurred to you? Or do you think it's something uh, more simple than that or perhaps more base than that? I'd like to hear your thoughts. Give me a call and let's talk about this at one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at mpbonline dot org. I have another question for you. Have you ever received an apology that you knew was insincere, and did you call that person on it? And if you did, what did you say, and why did you feel the need to call that person on it and not just ignore it? Or have you ever given an insincere apology just to be done with it, just to get it over? And perhaps you said the apology in the correct words, but you were still just stepping through that process just to be done with it, even though you knew you were right. So as we move along in the show, I'll tell you why maybe that's not such a good idea either. Um. Most apologies actually exact some toll. There's some negative effect on the offender. So the person who's making the apology may in reality have something negative um, happen to them. It can be embarrassing to admit a mistake publicly or even just to the other person. Let, Let me just remind you, and I'm not going into detail because that's not the point of the show, of some high profile examples of apologies that perhaps went wrong. Um, Paula Dean, that apology. What about the governor of South Carolina? Do you remember that one? Or who can forget Jimmy Swaggart, the evangelical TV preacher who had multiple affairs and then apologized publicly on TV? If you remember correctly, didn't go so well for him. What about um, the offender who often suffers additional penalties as the admission of guilt? Every one of those people had more stuff pile on after they admitted what they did. So the confession of wrongdoing can damage a relationship. It can hurt your job. It can lead to a loss of your status or power. Um, So the common cause that may help explain the seemingly widespread difficulty of saying I'm sorry um, is not always there. Sometimes it's much more minor, but certainly from politicians, professional athletes to friends and coworkers, um, often we just deny responsibility. It's just something that we do. So 
What I want to do is talk to you before the first break uh, a little bit about a Scientific American article published um, researcher, uh, Tyler Okamoto, and colleagues from Australia. But before I get to that study, because it might take a minute, um, I really do want to go to our first caller. Um, James is on line one. Uh, good morning, James. Yes. Thanks for calling. You, uh, you're in South Mississippi, and you have a comment on apologies. So let's yeah. hear it. Well, I agree with everything that you say, mm-hmm. with the exception of one thing. Okay. Uh, what? A- Hello. I'm here. What about the uh, apology President Clinton made? Uh, which, which one are you talking about? The apology. Oh, the yeah. one oh. with the, the... Right, on uh-huh. national TV. Uh-huh. What's your question about it? That was for political reasons. Uh-huh. Right? That's all. Right. That's all. So I've learned to, well, not accept apologies that easily. So do you have another, perhaps more personal um, issue that has made you not want to accept apologies, or are you talking about it more in the public realm? More in the public realm. Mm. Yeah. I, I, so what you're saying, James, is you feel like a lot of times when people publicly apologize like that, um, like Paula Dean or like... Um, Clinton, or 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 like um, I forget his name, the governor of South Carolina, and certainly Jimmy Swaggart, the the TV preacher, they were apologizing, um, hopefully to to get individuals to forgive them so that it wouldn't hurt them publicly. Is they were it, lying. You think they were insincere apologies? They just apologized yes. because they wanted to try to get out of trouble. It's a lie. Yeah. That's all there all it is to it. So well, you know, um only they know that, but you very well may be right. I'd love to hear from other callers about what what they think about this. Do you think that when public officials or our celebrities perhaps um apologize on network TV or on the internet or any other way publicly that um that they're lying, they really aren't Sorry. And we'll talk about as we move along on, um, in the show, what constitutes a real apology? Because to, to say, um, I'm sorry that I did this doesn't admit a wrongdoing. So to admit you have to give a real apology, you really are supposed to admit a wrongdoing. Do you see what I'm saying? So, uh, just one more thing. Sure. For a person to admit something like that publicly, they're just trying to get out of a well bad situation they're in. Okay. Well, that may be very, very true. There's no maybe to it. I got you, James. I hear what you're saying. You are absolutely certain that they're trying to get out of a difficult situation. And certainly all those people we've talked about had a whole lot to lose if they couldn't say the right words that made 
individuals accept what um, what they were quote, apologizing for. So, well, I appreciate your call. I'd love to hear from others about this. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. When we get back, I'll talk to you about the, the study um, out of Australia telling us about apologies. I want to hear from you and what you think about apologies and should you ever accept them. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we'll be right back. What do I do when lightning strikes me? And awake to find that you're not there. What do I do to make you want me? What have I got to do to be heard? What do I say when it's all over? Sorry seems to be the hardest word. It's sad, so sad. With the sad, sad situation. So sad Why can't we talk it over Oh it seems to me That sorry seems to be The hardest word Support for MPB comes from Grammy Museum Mississippi Providing learning experiences on all forms of music Educator resources online And museum tours for grades K-12 through are available Information at Education at GrammyMuseumMS.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo for Southern Remedy. Each Wednesday, we answer your calls on health issues of interest to you. They range from medical questions on kids, young adults, baby boomers, and seniors. Whatever you need to know. Join me for Southern Remedy tomorrow morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to family at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Well, welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Um, and we are talking today about apologies. How to do it right. Is there a right way to do an apology? And why is it so hard? Why is apology such a difficult thing uh, to do. Um, sorry really is the hardest word. Uh, Jay just played us a nice song from our past talking about that very thing. Um, by the way, Jay White, the producer, reminded me it was Mark Sanford who was the South Carolina governor who 
who made that famous apology. Um, so my question to our listeners is, do apologies help? Do you like to be apologized to? Do you feel like that when you receive an apology that seems insincere, should you call people on it? Our first caller said that any public apology uh, is typically insincere and only for secondary gain. Perhaps, but I will tell you why. Sometimes apologizing might not be the best thing to do. Um, And I'll get to that in just a moment, but as I promised, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, a Scientific American article uh, published by Tyler Okamoto and colleagues out of Australia. Um, They suggested that there are deeper internal motives for our refusal to apologize, They believe, the researchers did, their hypothesis was that those who refuse to express remorse maintain a greater sense of control and feel better about themselves than those who take no action after making a mistake. Um, And so that seems a little paradoxical, right? And so they decided to take a look at this and, and to see whether or not this was true. Um, so what they did was they, um, they looked at two different situations. The first one, um, where was where, uh, they had the colleagues look at, they, they took a, several individuals and in the first study, participants recalled an offensive incident that, um, had a specific outcome. A, they apologized, Uh, B, they refused to apologize, or C, they didn't take any action at all. And then they asked the individuals which, uh, in what situations did they feel more empowered, like they, they felt better about themselves, like they were able to move on and move forward. And what they um, found was that the individuals, the participants who either apologized or um, said that they refused to apologize, they did not, they did not think they had done anything wrong and they were not sorry, felt better about themselves ultimately and felt like they came out better on the other end than those individuals who just didn't do anything, just remained quiet, never said anything. So um, their point there is you just need to declare yourself. If you're sure you're right, don't apologize. If you're sure you're wrong, and um, then you should apologize If you keep quiet, um, perhaps right at first you stay empowered and you feel good about yourself, but down uh, the road, the long run of it is that you don't feel so great about yourself. So they did it another way. They did uh, the same study sort of another way in that they had an individual write an email, either the apology, the non-apology, nope, not sorry, 
don't care, or then the third one where they ignored it and the the outcome was essentially the same. Those who felt better ultimately about the outcome were those who did um, the apology or non-apology rather than the ignoring. So we have another caller, Nani and Brandon. Um, Nani, you received an apology, uh, but you're pretty sure someone didn't mean it. Talk to us about that. I have a dear relative who, um, with whom uh, I had planned, oh, many, many times we spoke of it for months, going to an activity out of town. Mm-hmm. When the day arrived, it was getting late. I had gotten up early. I got all kinds of things together because it's so hot. I wanted to be sure I had everything we would need to stay cool in hot weather. Right. And I normally don't get up early and get dressed and, you know. So I did, and it began to be late, and I called this. Uh, relatives, and he said, oh, my goodness, I completely forgot. I'm on my way to blankety-blank. And then he said, and, you know, it was just going to be so hot anyway. Hmm. And so I said, okay, you know, I've been up, I've been stood up before, you know, well, I had other relatives come in for dinner the next night, and they told me that they knew for a fact that he he was dishonest about it, mm-hmm. that he chose the other activity rather than the one we had planned for months that he planned because it was, he liked that option better. In other words, the thing that bothered me wasn't that we didn't do the activity together. The thing that always bothers me is that he could have told me a day before he knew, three days before. Well, and and then... Right, Nani. And then the other issue is that within that apology, there was an untruth, right? He lied to you. He lied. Yeah. And what what, uh, I don't understand, and even that is, to me, forgivable. But what is not forgivable, at least not to me, it's, you may not use my non-refundable fragments of eternity, that loss for me is, you can't give me back that time. So, and also, why not be honest? Why not, when he was riding down the road, why didn't he say, you know, I had a better offer? Mm-hmm. And I would say, well, you know what? It is hot. It's Okay. But he had a chance to do that, and he did not. Right. So, some, why do some people have so much trouble um, 
telling uh, the truth in situations like this. Now, Nani, let me just make a, a couple of suggestions. So when he called you up uh, and, and told you, oh, my gosh, I forgot, did you believe him on the spot and say, oh, that's okay? Or did you believe that this was really um, one of those white lies that he was telling because he didn't want to hurt your feelings? I thought I were not, no, I did not believe him. You did not believe him. I did not. So there must be a reason that that got set up as a, uh, he, he must have not been telling you the truth in the past. So I think that this is something that I'd just like to point out to all of our listeners. What happens, uh, what happened to Nani, where he gave one, he, he lied, so it wasn't really a real apology because he didn't state the truth and then state what he did wrong and then state that he was sorry for it. So um, that was, to me, he was just digging a bigger hole. We tell white lies, all of us, every single person out there likely tells little white lies at times to spare individuals' feelings. But when you are telling untruths and someone knows that you are known for this and suspects that perhaps whenever you tell them something, it's not true, you're setting up such an incredibly um, negative situation for yourself that you're likely not to have any close friends. Nani, uh, my suggestion to you is is this. Perhaps that uh, you call this relative if it would clear the air for you and say, I'm so sorry that you felt the need. You don't need to say, I'm sorry. You could say, I'm concerned that you felt the need to not tell me the truth, and I'm concerned that you did not feel that you could be upfront with me about telling me that you really didn't want to go. It was hot, and I certainly would have understood. That way, you allow this to be out upfront, um, and he knows where you are, and perhaps he will not. Uh, do this to you again. Um, we've had shows on forgiveness, and we probably need to have another one because remember that forgiveness is one of those things that helps you more than that individual. So, Nani, pr- please work on letting go of that issue and forgiving him. You don't have to forget, but you you need to work on that forgiveness, okay? I'm sorry that happened to you. It would have hurt my feelings, too. Thanks for your call. uh, That's not even an insincere apology. It was a lie in an attempt to try to apologize for something that, gosh, talk about digging a hole. (laughs) Um, I want to hear from more of you. We're talking about apologies and how not to do it and how to do it right. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-672. 7464, we're going to go back to the phones. We have Stephanie in Gulfport who gave an apology for an unknown wrong. Now, tell us what you mean by that, Stephanie. Well, um, I just made a a comment that a lot of times people think you should only apologize if the person knows you've done something. Well, I actually had this situation where I accused someone of something um, and and later found out that they did do what what I accused them of. And now the person that I voiced my accusation to was a very close family 
wasn't worried about the person finding out about it, but it weighed on my conscience that I had accused someone of doing something that they didn't do. So I was the person, and I said, listen, I, need to tell I actually thought you did this, and I, I accused you, and I want you to know I apologize because, you know, I know that you didn't do it now, and I apologize for, for saying you did. So uh, um, go ahead, sorry. So it it sounds like you found out that they kn- knew that you would accuse them of something. No, they they did not, and we have never found out because the person I said it to was a very close family member who would have never repeated it. So I wasn't worried about them finding out, but I, it weighed on my conscience that I had accused them of it. So I so even though I knew they would have never found out what I had said, I still went to them and, and apologized because it, it weighed on my conscience that I had accused someone of doing something they didn't do. Wow. So what a good person you are. Um, so how did that go? Did it hurt that individual's feelings? Did they talk to you about it? Well, they, we, we talked about it. It didn't hurt their feelings because there was sort of a history of that behavior. There was an understanding of why I would have thought that, but, um, but, I, but they, they understood um, and the apology was accepted. Well, that's good. And, you know, I think you're bringing something up that um, sometimes apologies are really for us to clear our conscience and not so much for anybody else, but for us. Um, And so it sounds like that was for you because you felt guilty about that. Now, I hope you went to the other individual who you confided in and let them know, too. Right. Absolutely. So I I think, again, apologies when you have um, negative thoughts about someone. You have to be careful about that. There are some people who would be very forgiving and others where maybe... Um, just an omission in in not going further than making sure that nobody else extends right. that misthought. So right. you have to know the circumstances, of course. And right. um, and, and, and I, I knew that particular person would have kind of taken it with a grain of salt and moved on. But if it was someone who was overly sensitive, of course, I may not have approached them with it. Right. Right. Well, that's an interesting take on an apology, Stephanie. I appreciate your call. So um, I wonder if anybody else has ever done that. When when you apologize to someone for something they didn't even know you did, um, that's, that's a, a pretty brave apology, I think. So thanks for your call. You sound like a really, really good person. I'd love to hear from more of you at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven. Seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send us an email to family at mpbonline.org. Before our next break, I want to go. Barbara's waited patiently. Um, Barbara in Gulfport, you say you have a medical condition that affects you. Talk to us about what that has to do with apologies. I'm missing a point here. Well, uh, over the past year, I have become crippled with progressive RA, and I can no longer get up and walk. Uh-huh. Um, and this has been hard for me to accept, and I've been in denial and hateful to everyone that comes. I've been hateful to nurses, um, 
hateful to the social worker, um, hateful to my family, just in denial and and finally going through some acceptance mm -hmm. of my condition, um, but also envious of others, the people who did come to help me, mm -hmm. um, envious that they could get up and walk and, you know, get in their cars and take off and just, envy of others mm -hmm. and uh, um, well I've it's been a, a journey all by myself well you know Barbara and, what uh, is no one wants to do anything with me because I've been so hateful even cursing and and, mm -hmm. uh, and I finally, I think, gone through the acceptance mm -hmm. and surrendering to this condition. And now, how do I apologize to individuals and let them know that I have hurt their feelings and even dismissed them mm -hmm. from coming here to take my vitals and, and right. keep tabs on me. I mean, I, I hear you, Barbara. That's not me. Yeah, that's not me. So, Barbara, let me let me start with saying it sounds like you've gone through a typical grief process. And um, people who have a loss, whether it's a, a loss of a spouse, a significant other, or whether it's a loss of a dream, or whether it's a loss of something um, like losing the ability for independence and and the ability to move about on your own. All those are significant losses, and they all can result in a significant grief process. And you name them. You talked about the denial and the, the anger um, and and the, the difficulty with sadness, and then finally the acceptance. So you've... you've You've talked through the whole grief process. Um, you are dealing, you said you have rheumatoid arthritis. I believe I understood you correctly. And that can be very, very painful and very incapacitating. And so your reaction is not atypical. And um, so what I would suggest that you do, first of all, you apologized on air. And I hope some of those individuals might have been listening um, secondly, what I would do is to, if you have difficulty writing, which you might with your RA, um, you, you might want to ask someone to let you dictate something to them um, so that you could write down an apology if you wish. Or if you want, you could also um, record something with your voice saying how how sorry you are, this is what you did wrong, that you are very sorry, and you would like to make amends and be forgiven. Um, you've said it on air, you can, you can say it again, whether you're not able to write it in a note, then I would suggest you ask someone to be your scribe or to record for you. 
But Barbara, please forgive yourself because it sounds like you've been through a lot. And um, chronic pain can be one of the worst things to have to deal with because it just continues to pull you down. Um, so I I wish you well, and I hope you're getting really good medical treatment. And um, hopefully they can find something to help you with this very difficult um, disorder. Uh, good luck, Barbara. Thanks for your call. I think that was uh, an excellent call for others to hear because I think we all know that there are times when you just can't help your actions because you feel so bad or feel so sad or feel so stressed, but you know you've done others wrong. And those apologies um, back mean a lot and and can offer a lot in healing whatever hurt feelings happened. So... This is Relatively Speaking. We're talking about apologies and and why we should or should not, when we should, and what makes up a good apology. We have uh, a couple of callers on the line. We're going to take our quick break, and when we come back, we'll get to Lou and Barbara. Um, so hang on. This is Relatively Speaking. Give us a call. We still have time at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Owens, host of Southern Remedy for Women, here to warn you about an upcoming epidemic of license plate envy. Yes, it's coming after you see someone driving around with a new MPB car tag. It's the latest way you can support Mississippi Public Broadcasting continue the mission of educating, informing, and entertaining Mississippians. This epidemic is easily remedied by visiting mpbonline.org slash car tag to pre-order yours today. I was recently diagnosed with invasive ductal carcinoma. Those of you who've been listening to the news are probably totally confused about breast cancer and breast cancer screening. What choices exist to detect breast cancer? Is there a right way to fight it? The option that was presented to me by my surgeon was lumpectomy. Learn more in an MPB Southern Remedy documentary special, A Plan to Survive, July 14th at 7 on MPB TV. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. 
We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to family at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Uh, Now, the other thing is uh, my wife, Regina, uh, she has been horribly uh, hurt uh, by my behavior. And when when something happens like that, if if you hurt a person and it's your responsibility, you try to fix it. And at that point, there's only two things that can happen. Either you're going to make some progress and get it fixed, or you're going to fall short and perhaps not get it fixed. So let me tell you, folks, I got my work cut out for me. And... Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. We're talking about apologies, and that was David Letterman apologizing on air um, to his wife after being accused, um, rightly so, he had an affair, and um, he was apologizing to his wife. He had been threatened with blackmail and felt that he needed to go forward, make a public apology and a sincere apology to his wife. And and apparently they work through this. So apologies sometimes work, sometimes they don't. Um, let's go to Lou. We have Lou on line one um, in McLean. Lou, you say forgiveness is overrated. I, Tell- <laughs> I think forgiveness is greatly overrated. There are some things that cannot be forgiven. Uh, deliberate cruelty cannot be forgiven. Mm-hmm. I I was talking once to a survivor of the concentration camps with a tattoo on his arm and everything, and forgiveness was not in his vocabulary regarding the people who slaughtered his entire family. Mm. Uh, Four years ago, I was injured and lived under my daughter's roof. I'm just going on to another example. I lived under my daughter's roof for 10 months, and her husband was deliberately cruel to me. There was a paraplegic, and he was mean and cruel and hateful and nasty. No, he is not forgiven, not now, not ever. I turned his fate over to God or whatever is going to take care of him. But sometimes, and I see these women on TV who go to prison and forgive the the murderer of their children. I forgive you. The only person who can forgive a murderer is the person that he murdered. She might, If she could come back to life, say, I forgive you. But to see a mother forgiving somebody for, for murdering her children, I don't understand. I think, I think forgiveness sometimes is, is overrated. I hear you, Lou. I I understand where you're coming from as far as when there's something so heinous done, it's it's difficult to understand how you can forgive. And I I um remember hearing the Amish community that forgave the murder of their children and how um, amazing it was to me that they were able to do that. And again, there is some evidence, Lou, that if you can let go and let yourself forgive someone, there is some mental health benefit. Um, that is uh, where it comes from. I understand what you're saying, that how in the world can you forgive someone for a purposeful act? But apparently it happens all the time. And so, um, and there's some benefit there. So just think about that. You don't have to forget and you don't have to give excuses for them, but you can just let it go. Well, that's what I've done, but yeah. not forgiven. Yeah, I get you. I hear what you're saying. Well, thank you. Thank you for your call. 
Uh, we still have time for other callers. Please give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. If you want to go- join in the conversation about apologies, good, bad, indifferent. Do you think that they make a difference in your feelings when you've really been hurt or wronged? Uh, you can send us an email to family at mpbonline dot org. So, um, what about? That individual, when you've done something wrong and you realize it, it's plain and simple. It seems obvious that um, when you're thinking about it, you should apologize, right? And um, in a minute, I'm going to talk about uh, a good apology. Uh, Sometimes you do try to postpone it. Um, Sometimes you do lie about it. And we heard one of our callers say that they had an individual who lied about it. But What about those people who apologize when they really haven't done anything wrong? Um, What do you think about that? Do you know anybody who's always saying they're sorry? Um, When sometimes something's not wrong, they didn't really do anything wrong, it wasn't clearly their fault. Or what about those individuals who say sorry all the time and you feel like it's one of those hollow complaints? So... The the false um, apologies, if you frequently apologize, then you need to stop. If you find that all you're doing is apologizing, um, I'm sorry it rained. I'm sorry um, you had to go to work. I'm sorry whatever. That kind of pseudo-apology um, after a while gets awkward, and then your sorries mean nothing. Um, and it's it's pretty weak um, and sometimes thought to be intention seeking so that then someone can turn around and give you attention. Oh, it's OK. Oh, everything's all right. Oh, it didn't hurt anybody. So those uh, back and forth sorries, uh, if you're one of those individuals who does that or if you know somebody who does that, it It is okay to say, please stop saying you're sorry, because at this point, it doesn't mean a lot to me. I think that's okay to say. So there are a couple of experts out there about um, uh, apologies, psychology advice um, has come out, and I'll just uh, go over what some of the experts out there say you should do. To have a good apology, uh, these are some of the key things you need to make sure that you're doing. You actually have to use the words, I'm sorry. It's really important to say, I'm sorry, or I apologize. You need to have those two words in there. Um, Acknowledge that you messed up. I take full responsibility kind of words. Tell the person, if you need to, how you can fix it. If you can't fix it, um, don't say that. Um, but if if there is something you can do to fix it, um, tell them what you're going to do and then make sure that you do it. Um, describe what happened without uh, pushing the blame on someone else. Make promises that you will keep. 
that you'll do better next time. If you're one of those who apologizes, says I'll do better next time, and then the very next day you do the same thing, then you might as well just stop apologizing because clearly you didn't mean that apology. Okay, make sure the person knows exactly how you hurt them. So state the facts, state what you did, and then um, ask for forgiveness. Now, Lou said earlier that that, uh, forgiveness is overrated, but ask for it. Ask to be forgiven. And remember, that person on the spot may not forgive you right then. They may... Um, need a little time to step through what to do. Now, let me also tell you what bad apologies are. Um, Justifying your words or behavior. Say, I'm sorry I did it, but the reason I did was. That is, again, not an apology. You don't need to have that but um, after your apology words, after your I'm sorry. Um, so many times apologies are made with a turnabout, but you made me do it, but you made me angry. I'm sorry I hit you, but you made me angry because you did whatever. So keep in mind that kind of apology, um, again, is not a true apology because you are not accepting what you did is wrong. Don't ever blame the victim. Don't ever make excuses. And then don't minimize the consequences like it was just a joke. So with that, we have one one last caller I want to get to, Michael. Michael, you note that you say sorry a lot? Yeah, I, I, and I still do now. I've, I've, tried to, I've tried to work with that over the, uh, over the, the years. And one of the things that I noticed I would do is I would sit there and think that I owed an apology. Somebody would correct me or say something, somebody would, with their actions or the way they spoke to me, I'd think I did something wrong. Mm. And I would have, and I would pop out and say, I'm sorry. And I, and I had to kind of rein myself in to think, well, you know, it's not all about me. Um, right. I, 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 I see that a lot. And that, and and I think that's the biggest thing I had to figure out is I don't have to say sorry to, to, to just to, to everything that happens. It's not all about me. And, and it's not that, all your fault. Right. No, it's not all my fault. It's, uh, you know, people are people, and that's the way that they're going to be. Right. Michael, thank you for calling about that, because that really is an issue that I hope other listeners, if you do that, if you apologize for something that's really not your fault or something that just maybe upset somebody, but it was something you needed to do, keep in mind that's okay, and you don't need to apologize for that. It takes power away from you. Don't apologize unless you need to. Say I'm sorry if you need to. I promise it'll make you feel better. Thank you uh, to all our listeners and callers. I appreciate you participating in this. It was a good one. Relatively Speaking is a production of Mississippi Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from members of the foundation. Today's show was engineered by Jay White, our call screener, Liz Gill. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking, and stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio. I'm sorry, so 
Underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy on the go with the My Blue Mobile app. More at bcbsms.com. A ridge of high pressure is going to dominate the forecast for most areas as we go through the holiday weekend. And I did a quick glance at one of the beach monitoring websites, and I think everything looks uh, pretty nice, uh, especially compared to our neighbors over in Florida. Now. 